There's a story of a mother who heard her seven-year-old son screaming from another room. So she ran into the room to find out why he was screaming and found her youngest daughter, just a little over a year old, pulling his hair. So she was able to unclasp the younger daughter's hand from the hair of her seven-year-old son. And when she did, she turned to the boy and she says, look, you're going to have to excuse her. She doesn't know what it's like to have her hair pulled. She left the room a little while later. She heard the little daughter screaming. She came in to find a seven-year-old boy pulling the little daughter's hair. He looked at the mom and he said, Mom, she knows what it feels like now. Now, how many of y'all know we can find some solutions to some problems, but they may not be good ones? They may not be good solutions. <laughs> we don't necessarily want to go into the wrong direction of, uh, of finding problems. Last week, we looked at receiving revelation, that God wants us to receive revelation to help us fix some problems we have. Some of them might be health problems. Some of them might be finance problems. Some of them could be relationship problems, job problems. They could be all kinds of things, but whatever problem we have, God is interested in it. And God wants to help us to take care of those things. Some weeks back, we looked at the four pillars of wisdom, just to refresh your memory. The knowledge of God, the fear of the Lord or obedience, discerning what is valuable, and God-given understanding or revelation. These are the four pillars that wisdom will stand on. Wisdom is, contains things. Wisdom, wisdom, God's wisdom, is not empty. We looked at reasoning. That without revelation, we rely on reasoning. If I don't get revelation on a problem then I begin to reason it out. Understanding for the things of God, understanding for our problem, understanding for what we are up against, comes by revelation. Revelation comes by the Spirit. It comes from the Holy Spirit to our spirit. And we are illuminated. He comes to us. He gives us revelation. And this is important that we understand this. He gives us revelation on the Word that we know. So we need to increase the Word that we know. If I don't increase the word that I know, I don't get more revelation. The enemy comes to steal the word that was sown and confuse the revelation we have through reasonings. Just to go back even further, remember the four things that pull us to foolishness over wisdom? The cost, the appeal, the pressure, and effort. Four things that pull us to the area of foolishness over wisdom. It costs wisdom, the wise way costs too much. The way of the flesh appeals to me more. There is more pressure to do this. I need to do this now. I need to get this done now. I don't have till tomorrow. There's pressure and effort. It takes more effort to go the way of, of God. Better, better benefits, but it takes more effort. Last week we looked at the power of revelation. This time we're looking at how to utilize that power even more. Definition for the word utilize is, uh, this just comes right from the dictionary, to put to use, employ, turn to profitable account. Basically, if you're going to utilize something, you're going to put it to use. You can have all kinds of good things in your house. You can buy, watch those infomercials and buy those great gadgets and never utilize them. You can have that great potato peeler, but if you don't use it, it just sits there. It's not, been, it's not a benefit for you. We have to learn how to utilize these things. God has given us revelation, but very often we don't utilize it. We want to look at how we are going to better utilize what it is that we have. In John chapter 5 and verse 1, here's a story we all know. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and, the, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, 
is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So whoever was the first one in the pool, whoever, it didn't matter what their background was. It didn't matter if it was their first time at the pool. It didn't matter if they had been at the pool for years. All that mattered was that they were the first person. If you are the first person in the pool, then at that moment, you are the first one, the greatest person in anticipation of that water being stirred. How many have ever had anticipation for something? Do you know you cannot maintain anticipation for 24 hours? Can't maintain 24 hour anticipation for anything for, you can't, you can't just go 24 seven on it. At some point, you relax a little bit. If you're waiting for something to come in the mail, you may be looking forward to that coming. You may wake up and, oh, that thing's coming. But then after an hour or two, you begin, oh, I forgot that thing is coming today. It kind of wanes a little bit. You lose, lose track of that. We've got to understand that anticipation is maintained. It doesn't, just because you anticipate something now doesn't mean you will continue to anticipate it. You have to maintain it. You have to continually think on this thing. Oh, as soon as this thing happens, as soon as this, this goes on. Now we've been driving around a lot more. Usually in the, around Christmas, we drive around more because you have to go to different stores as well as to your job and different and visits and things like that. How many of you enjoy being behind someone when there is a left-hand turn arrow that goes green and the person who's at the head of the line is not anticipating it turning green? They are doing something else. And you have to, how many times, I do this all the time. I don't know about you, but I do it all the time. I, I sit there and say, why are you at the head of the line? You are the first person waiting for that, and you are not anticipating that green that that green light turning. You're sitting there watching, and it goes green, and what happens? They stay there. Now, a green left-hand turn now is a very handy thing, but it does not stay green for very long. Some places, it's, you can get two or three cars through, and that's it. Some places, you can get six or seven. But if you've got a, somebody in the front there standing there not doing anything, watching their phone, tuning their radio, talking, whatever it might be, whatever, they're not paying attention to the road, and one person doesn't get through, another person doesn't get through, another person doesn't get through. Finally, they wake up to it, and they get through, and no one else does. There ought to be somebody who comes up and says, no, you were not anticipating. You go to the back of the line. But that doesn't happen. And so we sit there, and we get aggravated. How, how, long, how long does it take for you to get aggravated when the person doesn't move. Is it one second? Two seconds? Three, well, it can't be a minute because that thing will last them the whole minute. <laughs> it's a matter of seconds. Two seconds, three seconds, four seconds. What's, what's your threshold? Where is it that you start beeping? Now, of course, when we beep, you know, we do the courtesy beep. Beep, beep, real quick. Don't do it long. That's not courtesy. That's, that's obnoxious. We want to do that courtesy beep first. You know, just real quick. Beep, beep. Oh, yeah, we would just kind of stir them up a little bit and then they go. Now, if the beep, beep doesn't work, what happens then? Beep! 
<laughs> right? We, we throw out courtesy. We only have seconds here. And then we're going to have to wait for the whole light to go through it again. And that's not fun. We don't, we don't want to be waiting for all that. Anticipation. Now, you're anticipating, but you're not at the front of the line. The person who's at the front of the line has to be anticipating. So when they're gathered here at the pool, they all have to be focused. Because at some point, the angel is going to come down and he's going to stir the water. I can just see a practical joke in the making here. How about you? If you're a little kid, get a little tiny pebble. And just throw it in. And just watch everybody go into the pool. <laughs> they, they could have some fun with that. Of course, a little kid would be really surprised if somebody came out of their heel. But <laughs> Anticipation. They have to be looking at the water for one thing. When does the water stir? No one ever refutes that this is what's going on. This is it's stated in the word. This is what happens. Angel comes down, stirs it up. First person in. Now, how many of you think that God ought to say, well, wait a minute. If the second person in has been sick longer, shouldn't God have grace and mercy and, and do the second one as well? No, it's the first person. It's the way God set it up. Don't you love it when people set up something? And they're trying to be nice and beneficial, you know, just help people out of a thing. And they set it up and then somebody finds out, oh, it's not fair. How come I can't get some? Well, they don't have to do it for anybody. They're offering to do it for, for one, for two, whatever it might be. Yeah, but I was third. Don't matter. Anticipation. We need to get to the place where we are in anticipation for the things of God. Too often we have accessed the area of prayer and are not anticipating. We pray out of duty. We pray because I think I should. I don't know of anything else to do, so I'll pray. Sometimes people come up and say, well, you lay hands on me to pray for this thing, but they're not anticipating anything. They're not expecting anything. They just say, well, I'll just see if this works. Nothing else has worked for me. Maybe this might. No, we've got to get in our, ourselves into that place. Now, look at what he does here. Now, a certain man who was there who had an infirmity for 38 years... We are not told that he was born with this infirmity. All we are told with is that he had it for 38 years. More than likely, he is older than 38 years. We don't know how much older he is. He might be 40. He might be 45. He might be 50. He might be 60. We don't know how old he is. All that's important for us to know, apparently, is that he's had this thing for 38 years. That's long enough. Certainly, uh, we would feel sorry for anybody who has an infirmity for 38 years, but this infirmity didn't allow him to walk. Or do anything. He had to depend on people to come over and to, to help him. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. Now, he could either have known this by the Spirit or if you know someone who is lame for 38 years, don't you know they'll look different? They're not going to look the same. They're not going to look muscular. They're going to look, you know, the legs are going to be thin. They're not going to be muscled uh, just because they haven't used them. So he can look at him and say, all right, he's been in this condition for a while. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? This may seem like a ridiculous question. Most of the time, Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? But this particular one, he says, do you want to be made well? There are a lot of people with chronic conditions that have gotten used to the chronic condition. They've gotten used to the attention the chronic condition brings. They've gotten used to whatever it is that goes on because of the chronic condition. And maybe they don't want to be healed. 
He is there, but is he there because the people that are taking care of him are tired of the chronic condition? It might be that the people that are taking care of him are tired of him being in his chronic condition and they say, look, if we take you down by the pool, we got to go to work. We're going to get you there, but you need to find some way to get yourself in that pool because we're tired of taking care of you. He might not be tired of it, but this guy, but the people that are helping him out, maybe they are. But he asked them, do you want to be made well? You've had this for a long time. Are you used to it? Do you want to be made well? So here's the situation. The man has had an infirmity for a long time, 38 years to be specific. Here's the solution to his problem. Get in the water. Be the first one in the water. That'll, that'll solve your problem. He's got a problem. He has a solution. The solution is get to the pool. Be the first one in the water. If you're the first one in the water, you get healed. So that's the obvious solution. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. So while I am coming, maybe there's there's something he can do to get him in. Maybe it's just his legs that are lame. Maybe he can push off with his arms, but it does take a little bit longer to, to get that to, to happen. Whatever it is, it's it's slowing him up and other people are faster. So here's the solution to the problem I have. But I see a problem in me accessing the solution. I've been here before. I'm trying to get down there. I almost get there and then someone else already is there. And they get healed. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, there's no one to help him get in the pool. How many of y'all know there's no one there to help him take up his bed and walk? He's anticipating. His anticipation is focused on the pool, on the angel coming down to the pool. He has no anticipation about Jesus. He's not looking at Jesus at all. He may not even know much about Jesus. We don't know exactly what he knows. So there's no one to help him do what he knows to do. How many of you know some things to do that would benefit you, but you feel like you're powerless to do it? Nobody. All right. I don't know. I've been in that situation before. (laughs) I know what I need to do, but I don't seem to have the ability to get it done. I don't seem to have the power to get the thing going. And, and we'll hide, that'll hold us back. We'll hide behind that for a while. Well, I know what to do, but I can't seem to get it done. I know I should do that, but I don't have the time. I know I should do that, but I don't have the money. I know I should do that, but I don't have the energy. I know I should do that, but I have, I don't have the ability. Whatever it might be, we see a problem. I know the solution. Here's the obvious solution. Get into the pool. But here's the problem. There's no one here to help me. So Jesus comes down and he gives him some wisdom on this thing. Rise, take up your bed and walk. He's got a choice right now when that wisdom comes to him. I can either go back to the solution that I know that I can't seem to solve because I have no one to help me. Or I can respond to what Jesus is saying. What we got to understand is that with God, there are we look, look, look at it this way. When we look at this pool situation, we look at a guy who is 38 years lame and he has been to this place before. He's almost got into the pool and someone else has beaten him and he didn't get healed. And we want to, how many of y'all want to go before God and say, hey, God, 38 years he's been in that. He's been facing that situation for 38 years. Don't you think this time you could do number two as well? Don't you think that a, a, maybe if he's third, 
Don't you think that you could see to it that someone else beside the first one could be healed? How many of you get mad at God for this kind of thing? How come that's, uh, that's not happening? What you've got to understand with God, at this time, I don't know about you, but I hear about this all the time, and uh, it's different ones that want to report on things. I don't listen to the news people themselves, but I sometimes hear folks talk about things that they say, and they're always talking about things being fair. You know, now that's the big thing. Instead of, you know, focusing on the economy, now we're supposed to focus on, well, not everybody's getting the same wage. There's a big uh, wage discrepancy. You know what? Of course there is. Because some people work harder than others. Because some people have trained themselves better than others. Well, I've done this. I work hard too. Yeah? Then how come someone won't pay you what it... What it how many... Think about it this way. Who's one of the big basketball players now? And don't tell me James because I don't like him. <laughs> give me give me somebody else. Somebody who's a... Who's a, who's a I, I just, uh, he just... He just irritates me. His attitude. Don't like his attitude. There's a couple of basketball players out there. I don't like their attitude. They still get money. They still get money. They still get paid. They still get all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, it, anyway, they, they, got, uh, they got stuff going. Anyway, we got some basketball players out there. No one's mentioned any names. Come on, Corey. Give me, give me somebody I like. Do I, is he a good guy? I want a good guy. I want, a, I, want a, I want like a Julius Irving. I want a good guy like that. I want a guy who, uh, who's the guy who played for the Celtics? Larry Bird. I want good guys like that. Yeah, that's what I, Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan. All right, let's just take Michael Jordan. All right, Jordan, how much money was, I don't know how much it was, how much money was he making on his last year he played for the Bulls? A, a lot of money. How many of you think that he got paid more money than he should? See, a lot of times we look at people and they're getting, I don't know whether, I just thought a number, they're getting maybe $25 million a year, something along those lines. And we look at that and say, how, how can, no one is worth $25 million a year. And we look at that and say, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. Some of that money ought to go out to other people. You know why he got 25 or whatever? I don't know what the number was. Whatever number he got. You know why he got that much? Because he generated more than that. If you had Michael Jordan on your team, you would sell enough tickets to generate that money back. That's why people paid him that much money to play basketball. Because if he played basketball on your team, your team made a lot of money. If you play basketball for the Bulls, would they make money? No. No. <laughs> Not too many people can play basketball at the level with which these guys play basketball. They, they play good basketball. Baseball players make a lot of money. Why? Because they generate a lot of money. Football players make a lot of money. Why? Because they generate a lot of money. If you want to make money, you need to get in the mode of thinking, I need to generate it. If I make money for my boss, then my boss will want to keep me around. How's my boss going to keep me around? He's going to give you more money. How's he going to be able to give you more money? Because you are making more money. There is no boss out there who can pay you more money than you bring in. Can't happen. It's going to be a negative and the business will fail. It has to be that way. So they're out there now. They're talking about raising the minimum wage. Because no one can live on the minimum wage. No one is supposed to live on the minimum wage. You're supposed to get a minimum wage job or some kind of a job like that and show your worth to the company and then the company pays you more than minimum wage because you're worthwhile. But we're getting away from that. 
Make yourself worthwhile. When you go into the job, think of it this way. They are not here for my benefit. I am here for theirs. Make money for it. As we look at this thing, it's not fair that some people only make this much money per hour. They work hard. If they did work hard, then someone would pay them. It's that simple. If you will work hard, and now you got to get yourself out there. Just because you work hard, it just doesn't mean everybody knows it. You got to get out there and let people know, I work hard. When you get in there, you got to work hard. And when you do, then people are going to pay you because they want to keep you around. That's the nature of it. But we look at things that we want to be fair. God's not always fair. Who is going to be made well when they get in the pool? The one who needs it the most? The one who's been sick the longest? The one who gets in first, which is the one who is at that moment anticipating. You could be anticipating, 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 waiting, 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 and then all of a sudden get distracted. Angel comes down, stirs up the water, and you missed it. Is it fair? (laughs) So Jesus comes up to this guy, 38 years. He's not going to anyone else. The place is full of sick people. Whatever kind of thing, lame, blind, deaf, whatever it is, it's full of sick people. He comes up to one guy. Do you want to be made well? The man says, well, that's not really the issue for me. The issue for me is I can't get in the pool. If I get in the pool, I could get made well. But I can't get in the pool. I don't have anybody here who will help me. Maybe he's hoping that Jesus might stick around. And when the, stir, when the water gets stirred up, Jesus will be there to put him in the pool. So he says to the man, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, if you are a lame person, what's the first thing out of your mouth? I can't do that. I'm waiting to get in the pool. If I get in the pool first, I'll be able to do that. But he's got an instant. What we have to understand with Revelation, the power of Revelation we were talking about last week, the power of Revelation, the window on that power is generally small. When you get Revelation, you need to act on it. Not tomorrow. Not the day after. When you get Revelation, you need to act on it. You need to put it to work right away. Not question it. That's why you need to develop your spirit. You need to understand this is God talking. When God talks to you, you need to go out there and do it. Listen to him. Hear what he has to say. So the man, verse 9, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. He had to act on it. Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. What was the first command that Jesus said? Rise. Take up your bed and walk. What is missing from verse 9? Does it say anything about him being rising up? No, simply because of this. And immediately the man was made well. How does he know he was made well? Because he arose. He rose up. He rose up. After he rose up, what was the next thing he was supposed to do? Take up his bed. What's the next thing he's supposed to do? And walk. Arise. Take up your bed and walk. All right, three instructions. Arise is the first thing I got to do. When I do that, I got to take up my bed and then I got to walk. If we were lame for 38 years and the first thing we did was rise, how many of us are not taking up our bed? Number two. We want to do the dance of joy. We want to holler around. We wanna, but what was the command? Rise, take up your bed and walk. What's he supposed to do then? 
rise, take up the bed, and walk. We're missing the rise, but can you see that the guy rose? He rose, he took up his bed, and he walked. That's what he was supposed to do. And that's what he did. God will give us revelation. Now, what if this guy argued with, with Jesus? If this guy argued with Jesus and started saying, you know, well, I don't know, I, I wish I could, but I just can't do that right now. This story would not be in the Bible. It'd be gone. It may have even happened with some people. And we don't have the story in the Bible because there's no reason to. They're, they didn't obey. But this guy did. He rose, took up his bed, and he walked. Here's the wisdom given. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. How many of you could hear that? Think about this. How many of you could hear that as wisdom? Could this possibly come across to you as foolishness? If someone came up to a lame man and said, get up, would that come across as foolishness to some people? Oh, yeah, it sure would. <laughs> what are you, what are you, some fool? Can't you see I'm lame? It'll come across as foolishness. We have to perceive wisdom when it comes. I got to understand this is wisdom when it comes. God is speaking wisdom into my life. He is giving me revelation. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. I mean, you know, that's trouble. Not for Jesus. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. I, it is interesting to note this. None of those folks yelled at any of the people gathered around the pool. They didn't have a sign up there closed on the Sabbath. So the first person in the pool on the Sabbath still got healed, right? And apparently it's happened before on the Sabbath. Or the people are not gathering at the pool on the Sabbath. But they're gathered at the pool on the Sabbath and no one's saying anything about it. But because Jesus did it, now it's an issue. Doesn't that seem funny to you? It is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. <laughs> now, we know they have a problem with Jesus healing, but here's a man, you're carrying your bed. Why are you carrying your bed? If you saw a man who was lame for 38 years, you know they had to know him. 38 years, he's carrying a bed. Is your first question, why are you carrying that bed on the Sabbath? Isn't your first question more like, wow, what happened? How is it you're carrying your bed? It's a different attitude. Because they have become scornful. He who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, the man didn't just say, take up his bed and walk, did he? He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. What are they focused on? They are bypassing the miracle to look at the take up your bed and walk. It's not that he's just picked up his bed. He's carrying his bed. That's work. In their law, that's work. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to him, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn, the multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Oh, Jesus is teaching that if you sin, bad things will happen. Isn't that what he's doing? No. Jesus didn't come and, and heal him simply because, well, he, he missed it. 
He healed him because it's the work of the devil. When you sin, when you do things you're not supposed to do, you put yourself in a position for the devil to be able to do stuff. Not for God to do throw things at you. When David sinned with Bathsheba, what was the prophet's words to him? You have given reason, cause for the enemy to come at you. So you have been made well. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. And the man departed and was rejoicing at the man who had made him well. Y'all going to let me get away with that, really? (laughs) The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. Isn't this a grateful guy? Here's the guy who he goes up to the, to the Jews, the Jewish leaders. They wanted to know, who told you? He doesn't want to be in trouble. He wants to be able to pass it off to someone, but I didn't know who it was. Now I know who it is. He's the guy. Right over there? I, I, I didn't do it because I wanted He's the guy. He's the one. That's a grateful guy, isn't it? The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. How many of y'all think Jesus could get a little bitter? Someone's done something against him. Mm. don't get bitter no matter what it is that people do against you keep going out there and serving God you serve God you don't serve people you serve God but you serve God by serving people but we serve God that's who you serve the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well for this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath so because he told a man to carry his bed on the Sabbath they decided on the Sabbath to plot how to kill him And that's okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. All right. I put this in your outline for you. Obvious solutions often distract us from what we need to do. Obvious solutions often distract us from what we need to do. As long as this man was focused on the pool and being the first one in, he would be distracted from what he needed to do. Jesus told him what to do. Arise. Take up your bed and walk. If he stayed focused on the pool, he wouldn't have done that. John chapter 4, verse 46. Here we see a different command given. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. There was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. And he inquired of them the hour he got better. He said to him, Yesterday, about the seventh hour, The fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So here's the situation. The man has a life and death situation going on with his son. Life and death. Life and death health situation going on with with the son. The obvious solution for him, because of what he had heard, was go get Jesus to come to the house. Get Jesus to come to the house. Wife is probably there. They're probably talking about it. Either he heard about Jesus, she heard about Jesus, or they both heard about Jesus. But they came out with, you need to go get Jesus and bring him to the house. 
These are the instructions he has. These are the agreement either he came up with or she came up with. Somehow they came up with it in there. And he left with the instructions of get Jesus to come to the house. How many of you have ever left with instructions from your spouse about something to get or to do? Go to the store. Get the olive oil. Get the milk. Get the eggs. Whatever it is that you, you got a little list there. And you go to the store and you get the cooking oil the milk, and the eggs. You get on home. Wife pulls the stuff out of the bag. She sees the milk. She sees the eggs and the cooking oil. I said I needed olive oil. Well, it's oil. It's not the right kind. We didn't quite follow the instructions correctly, right? We didn't do the right thing. Instructions. When you go out, you come back, you want to come back with those things, not with something else. Instructions are, get Jesus to come to the house. That's what he says. If you'll come to the house, if you'll come and lay hands on him, he'll be all right. Now, if you look into this, we've, we've delved into this story in much more detail before. He's about a day's journey away from Jesus. It takes him about a day to get from where he was to where Jesus is. So it's been a day from the time he left to the time he comes to Jesus. It's already been a day. And Jesus says to him, Oh, sure, I'll come with you. He said that to other people. But to this one, he says, I'm not coming. Is that fair? Come on, is that fair? Did Jesus go with Jairus? Did Jesus go with others? The centurion, when they, when they, did Jesus go? They called Jesus, Jesus, come. What did Jesus do? He went. What's this guy get? I'm not coming. I'm not coming. No one said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. That's, I wasn't expecting that. That's not what I want. What I wanted to hear was, Yes, I will come with you. Let's go. He didn't get that. He got, Go your way, your son lives. How many of y'all know when you are anticipating a certain thing coming and it doesn't arrive the way that you expected it to, this is not good. You were geared up for it to be one way. And it's not. If you ordered a new car and you ordered that new car red and it came in white, how many of you are dissatisfied? I I ordered, I wanted blue. I wanted it red. It came in this color. I didn't ask for it this color. I wanted it this way. If you went in and you were, you uh, made a deal for a truck and after you wrote up all the stuff, signed all the papers, they drive it around the front and it's a Prius. How many of you are going to raise a problem with that? It's not what you're expecting. It's, this is what I expected. This is what I needed. This is what I agreed for. And what did I get? If you took a job and the job is going to pay you $12 an hour and you worked there for 40 hours that week and they were going to write you a paycheck for that and you, ca- how many of y'all know? You calculate it out. 12 dime times 40. All right, I take out this much for taxes. I know about how much I take out for taxes. The amount should be somewhere around here. And it comes in and the check's for 50 bucks. How many know that's not what I'm expecting? What do you do? Glory to God, I got 50 bucks. I didn't have 50 bucks before. Now I got 50. Are you, are you glad? No, you're mad. I didn't get what I was expecting. This man came expecting a certain thing. His faith is set on Jesus coming back to him. And Jesus speaks revelation to him. This man is not ready to hear revelation, I don't think. He's ready to hear agreement. Yes, I will come with you. He didn't get agreement. He got revelation. Go your way. Your son lives. That's revelation. 
Jesus is saying, I know your son lives, so go. He's got a full day's journey to get back to the house before he can find out. When he gets back to the house and he shows up and his, his wife is there greeting him, she's going to be looking for somebody beside him. And she's not going to see it. She's just going to see him. How come, how come you're, why are you by yourself? Where's Jesus? Can you see that scene? Because his mother seeing the baby die, seeing the son die. This is not good. Moms don't like to see their, their kids die. This is the, neither do dads, but he's coming back. I don't have Jesus. Why don't you, why didn't you overcome? Why didn't you do something? No Jesus. He's got to be thinking about this the whole way back. This, at least this thought is knocking on his door, but Jesus gave him revelation. What's the revelation? Go your way. Your son lives. What does he have to do? Go. If he's going to obey the revelation, he's got to go. If the man stays, does he tap into the power of the revelation? If the man who's lame continues to lay down, does he tap into the power of the revelation? How do you tap into the power of the revelation? It's simple. Do what the revelation said. You got to do what the revelation said. If you don't do what the revelation said, you're not going to tap into the power of it. You ever put something together? Christmas time, you got to put things together for, you know, the little kids. Putting the thing together. What do you get? Directions. Directions are revelation on what to do. Because otherwise you've got a box full of parts. And so you pull out that. And, and what should you do when the directions come out? Follow. Do step one. And then do step two. And then do step three. And then do step four. And you hope that the revelation is, the, the, the instructions are clear because sometimes we've done step one and we didn't understand step one. We did step one wrong. It didn't come out right. And that's not going to help us out so much. And then we have to sometimes go back to the beginning and start all over again. Here's the revelation. Go your way. Your son lives. What should he do? If the man does not go, what happens to the son? What hour was he made well? The same hour that Jesus said it, but what also happened that hour? He left. If he doesn't leave, whatever power had gone, has started to go out, is stopped. Because he doesn't do it. Word comes, go. So what's he do? He goes. You gotta understand, I, I, I've gone over this story with y'all before. You gotta understand how hard this was. This is a man who knows his son is dying. He does not have much time. They should have enough time to make the trip back. He does not have enough time, more than likely, to make the trip back again to find Jesus and then get back again. Especially if Jesus goes on in a different direction. He's got to be thinking about these things. These, these thoughts are trying to come and, and make their nest. Brother Hagin used to tell us, just because the devil brings some thoughts your way doesn't mean you have to make, let them make a nest in your head. Chase them away. Get them out. You don't have to. Just because the thoughts come doesn't mean that you, you messed up. Chase those thoughts out. Get rid of them. So the obvious solution is to get Jesus to come to the house. The problem, Jesus won't go. <laughs> I mean, he, he won't go. He says, you go. So what did he need to do? He needed to go. One more story for you. In Luke chapter 17. 
Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the, the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So they came to Jesus. Jesus, have mercy on us. What do they want? They want to be healed of leprosy. They want something to happen that that Jesus would heal them of leprosy. So when he saw them, they came afar off because they can't come up to them because they're not clean. So when he saw them, he said to them, look at what he says, go show yourselves to the priest. Never does Jesus give really long involved instructions. Even the, the one that Brother Jolly was bringing up today. Go fish. The fish you catch, there'll be money in the mouth. Pay the taxes. That's about the longest instruction he gave to anybody. Now, you've got to understand, when, G, when, when Peter went out there to go fishing, how many of y'all know, if you throw a, a, a line in the, in the water, the fish don't bite right away. You've got to hang out there a little bit. Sometimes they come up and they nibble up whatever bait you got on there. And they nibble it off, and you've got to go put another one on. And another one. We don't know how long he was out there fishing. We don't know if he was out there for five minutes or five hours. But he stayed with it. He kept fishing. Until he got one. When he got one, he opened the mouth. And what was in the mouth? Money. So he did what Jesus said. Got the money. Went out and made the the payment. So here's the instruction. Go show yourselves to the priest. He doesn't say, go show yourself to the priest. And on the way, you'll be healed. He doesn't say to them, believe that you're healed. And then go show yourselves to the priest. What's he say? Go. Show yourselves to the priest. Now, there's, there's a reason to show yourselves to the priest if you are a leper. You know what the reason is? If something changes, if the, if the disease has changed in some way, you are to go and show yourself to the priest. There needs to be a change. So if they show up to the priest and they say, we're here, has something changed? They're going to be thinking about this the whole way over. He's going to ask us, has something changed? And we're going to say, (laughs) what are we going to say? When they left, had anything changed? Nothing had changed. What are the instructions? Go show yourself to the priest. What if they said, we'll do that, but heal us? What would happen? Window closed. Window closed. Revelation given. Power available. It's met with unbelief. Window closes. We are sometimes given opportunities, folks. Windows. And they don't stay open long. We need to obey them. When God speaks it, we need to listen. He's just telling them, them, go show yourself to the priest. That's it. So they go show themselves to the priest. I am amazed at how many people in the Gospels there are that Jesus gives these simple instructions to and they listen. When we get to heaven, this is going to be one of my questions. How many of y'all have a questions list that you're going to ask people? I'm going to go out by Jesus. His, his line is going to be long. You know, Peter's line, John, they're, they're going to have long lines. People want to ask them questions. So I'm going to go find somebody like Andrew. Who wants to talk to Andrew? Anybody got Andrew on your list? All right. If nobody has Andrew on the list, I can go pull Andrew. 
because he'll have nobody over in him. And, you know, Peter, long line, James, long line, John, long line, Jesus, huge line. I'll go over to Andrew. Andrew, how many people did Jesus give instructions to and they didn't do it? I wonder what the answer will be because Andrew was there for him. He was there. Matthew was there. There's other people that were there. Some people might have questions about Matthew's gospel. So, you know, Matthew might have a little bit of a line. But I'm kind of suspicious that Andrew won't have much of a line at all. In fact, if he comes up and simply says, Hi, who are you? You say, Andrew. Andrew who? You might get that a little bit. So anyway, we can send a line there and I'll, I'll ask them. How many people received instructions from Jesus? Go, show, arise. How many people received instructions from Jesus and didn't do them? I have no idea what the answer from that would be. But I know there's, there, there, how many of y'all know? There's got to be somebody. Somebody along those lines didn't do it. We know that the, the rich young ruler, Jesus said, go sell all you have. And, and what did he do? They went away sad. We know there's that one. How many people were there? How many missed their opportunity? What I want you to see is we have all been given opportunity. God has spoken revelation to us. If we don't do it, the window can close. It doesn't stay open all the time. How many of you plan to watch football today? I'm, I'm watching. I don't know about you. I'm watching football today. I'm excited about watching football today. If you're not watching football today, it's fine. But if you can imagine watching football, maybe one of the commercials, and the quarterback drops back to pass, how long does he have when a receiver is open? It's a very small... You're looking at maybe a second. You've got a second, maybe two seconds at most that you've got when that receiver's open. How long does the quarterback have to even... How long does the quarterback have until somebody hits him? Five is a good good guess. Six seconds. He's got to get that ball out in, in so long. I think something was said about... Uh, I forgot who the quarterback was, but there's some quarterback and they, they actually time them. Who has time to do this? I don't know. But they actually sit there and they for every play, they time them and they will give you an average. If you look up, on, you, you can do this. I don't bother looking it up, but it was, it was, I read it. I think Peyton Manning was one of the quicker ones out. He's something around um, 2.97 seconds. You've got to add up all the times he's dropped back. Take all the, the seconds. Figure. I, I don't know who does that. I, I do not want to be doing that. But, uh, you know, Nick Foles, he was up. He was about a half a second, almost a, a full second slower in that. But he was still under four seconds average of getting a, the ball out. Something in, in that area. That, that's not many seconds to make a decision. And you got that window that's open. That's not a whole lot of time. We think that God ought to give us all day. How many of y'all think that? God should give me all day. If he gives me a command, I should have all day to choose to obey. I can wait till tomorrow if I want to obey. No. When should you obey? When you hear it. You got to train yourself to, to do that. If you've ever been in the military or you watched a movie about military, what is boot camp about? Instant obedience. Isn't that right? Brother Jolly's been through. You've been through. You've been through boot, boot camp. All right. Boot camp is about instant obedience. They tell you to do stupid stuff that seems to make absolutely no sense at all for the purpose of getting you to obey and do it right away. Not question. 
What happens if you question, why should I scrub the floor with a toothbrush? What happens then? You'll be doing it again and again until you don't ask the question. Because the whole purpose of boot camp is when you are put into a bad situation, you need to obey when? Right away. If the commander of the army says, take that hill, go do that, throw that grenade, get on that gun, how much time do you have? It needs to be done now. If it's not done now, what's he saying? How come you didn't do it? Get over there and do it. Does he want to hear excuses? Well, the gun was heavy. Well, my arm is sore. (laughs) People are dying here. You need to get it done. That's all they want to hear about. What's Jesus want to hear when he gives us revelation? Obedience. How important is it that we obey? Incredibly important. We need to hear it and I need to obey it. I need to not question it. Well, I don't know if it's God. That's what you're in training for, to find out is it God. You are in training to find out how to develop that spirit of yours so that when you hear something on the inside of your spirit, you say, that's God. That's God. If God spoke it, what do you do? Obey it. Do you question it? No. Why is it we keep questioning them? God, do you really want me to give that money? Does that person really need the $20 that I have in my pocket? They, I don't know if they really... I mean, look at them. They don't look like they need the 20 bucks. Should I really... I don't know. What happens? What happens to the window? It's gone. It's gone. All right, we'll go find somebody else. I got a blessing I'm going to pour out to somebody. If you don't want to... I thought you might want to have it. If you don't want to have it, we'll go over here and find somebody else. He's going to bless somebody. He says, go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was as they went... They were cleansed. When did it happen? As they went. When they did what the master said to do. When they got the revelation and they obeyed it and they did it on the way, they're healed. They're cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Now, he didn't go show himself to the priest yet, did he? Now, he didn't have a one, two, three, do this, arise, take up your bed and walk. He just said, go show yourself to the priest. He was on the way to go show himself to the priest. He's still going to go to show himself to the priest, but he first decided to come on back and be thankful. And apparently it was okay. It was okay. Because uh, Jesus said, hey, where's, where's the rest of them? Verse 17, so Jesus answered and said, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? Well, they're on the way to show themselves to the priest. Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? So apparently he was not a Jewish descent. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Faith in what? Faith in Jesus? No. Faith in doing what he said to do. That's all they showed faith in. Is there anything in this story that says they showed any faith in Jesus? They came to him. But what they showed faith in was when they did what he said to do. That's what we got to do. So here's the situation. They're outcasts. The obvious solution is get to Jesus. What's Jesus going to do? Remember the other guy who was, uh, who was a leper? I thought he'd you know, wave his hand or he'd speak something or he'd call in the name of his God or something. 
Here's the problem they have when they came to Jesus. Jesus said, go, show yourself. Here's the problem. Nothing remarkable was done. We wanted something remarkable. We wanted something to go on. Something that was, rem- something that was good. I wanted to, you know, some, I wanted the heavens to light up. Thunderbolts. Lightning. Something. Should be happening to tell me I'm healed. I want to see something. I want to feel something. They didn't do all that. They just left. Go show yourself. What was the wisdom given? Go show yourselves to the priest. So they had to show. We had to rise. We had to go. And we had to show. They all did it. Now here's, another, here's a problem with this one. We saw this in the first one too. There's a problem with the wisdom that they have. It's not legal to do what they're instructed to do. It's not legal to go show yourself to the priest until there's been a change. It's not legal to carry your bed on the Sabbath. According to the Jewish law, not, not God's law. It's not legal. But they did it. Were they supposed to? Yeah. When God gives you an instruction, don't sit down and try and figure out all the legalities of it with your religion or anything else. Just do it. What's God say to do? Develop your spirit. Know how to hear from him. And when he speaks, you do it. You obey. Now, here's the thing. Needs are easy to see. How many of y'all know you can list your needs right now? Well, I need this. I need a better job. I need more money. I need less bills. I need a better car. We can, we can list all kinds of needs, right? Needs are easy to see. Problems are easy to find. It's, you don't have to be skilled to find problems. You have to be skilled to find some really in-depth problems. But you can be in a situation. You can see problems. How many of you took a new job and the first day in your job you saw problems? Yeah. Problems are easy to see. We don't need a whole lot of skill to find problems. Solutions are harder to discover. Problems are easy to see. Solutions are harder to discover. And reasons for failure are well pronounced. There are many reasons for failure. How many of you know each of these situations reasonings were going to come up in their heads? For why they would fail. Arise? Arise. I haven't been able to arise in a, how many, how many, 38 years I haven't been able to arise. Arise? How many can see there's reason for failure? Go show myself to the priest? You know what they're going to say when I get there? Go? Return home? My son lives? What if I get there and he's dead? What if I get there and he's worse? I can't get back here to you. These reasonings are there. You need to not listen to them. God is going to speak things to you. God is going to help you to do some things. Now, last week we went over this. I put this part of it here at the end. What we need to do is to stay in shape. When revelation is given, I must, what's the number one for the thing? Seek it. I need to seek after revelation. When I seek after revelation, revelation is given. Number two, hear it. Number three, accept it. I've got to accept it as God's word. Not question it, accept it. What does God say? I've got to seek, I've got to hear, I've got to accept. After that, i got to perform. I've got to do it. Each of these guys that we looked at performed what God said to do. They did what God said to do. Here's the last one. You've got to endure. You've got to endure. Because sometimes we don't want to endure. Sometimes we want to quit. Sometimes we want to stop. 
I've been doing that. How many of you ever, maybe you, maybe you've made this prayer. I've made this prayer sometimes. Maybe you have made this prayer. God, I have been doing that for months now. Anybody been there? Maybe you can say something even longer. God, I've been doing that for years. We can say that. What we got to do? Endure. What happens when you endure? Stuff comes at you. Y'all know stuff comes at you, right? Yeah, but you got, you got to do what God said to do. You got to do it. Do what he said to do. After you do it, understand people are going to come around and try and stop you from doing what God told you to do. Thoughts are going to come in to get you to stop doing what God says to do. You need to go back to this. Who told me to do it? God did. Is God wrong? No. So what should I do? Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't quit. Don't quit. How many of you took a job because God told you to take that job? And after a week, you didn't like that job. What should you do? Quit? Stay on the job. Why? Because God said, (laughs) you stay on the job. You stay with it. You don't quit. I told you my experience down there at Ken's Pizza when I took that job. I knew God told me to take that job. I knew I was supposed to work there. I knew it so much, I never applied to any other place. I walked in there, made the application. No one was there to hire me. I left. I was going on to place number two. God spoke to me. Not, you know, audibly, just down in my spirit. Why go anyplace else? That's where you're going to work. So I went home. Came back the next day. No one was still there. Came back the next day. Finally got somebody. They hired me. I never went to another place. Never applied anyplace else. That was it. Only place I applied to. God said, that's where you're going to work. I started working there. Didn't like the job. Didn't like the people. They were a bunch of druggies. They cussed. They were immoral. I didn't like working here. I thought that, I said, dear Lord, I think I missed you. I think I missed you. It doesn't seem like this is where you want me to be. What did I have? God didn't come coming around to me and give me all this kind of assurance. Oh, Steve, don't worry about it. Just tough it out. Come on. Just stay, stay with it. He didn't do that. What I had to do? I had to go back on the revelation I got. I had to stay with it. I stayed with it. I stayed with it. I stayed with it. It got worse. It got so bad, our manager was caught with a drug deal in the back of the, the back behind the, uh, the place. They fired him. He was selling drugs out of the place. They fired him. We don't have a manager now. They didn't hire a new manager. I'm going to school. I'm just working the, the stuff I'm supposed to be working. And um, that was it. So we, we all just kind of ran the place ourselves. The area general manager came on in. I got to know the area general manager. That worked out to my advantage later on. I stayed with it. Stayed with it. Didn't look all that good. You know what happened? Ended up having more fun at that job than most jobs I had. Loved the job. All oh, the job was fun. The people I didn't really like all that much. We ended up uh, developing relationships and uh, being able to talk to things about the, about the Spirit of God, about God. A couple of those folks got born again, saved, turned their lives around. One of the guys, I don't know if I ever told you this story, I was talking to uh, Tony. Remember, her, if you've been here a while, you heard me talk about Tony uh, a bunch. Uh, Tony was uh, hard to the gospel. Hard. I mean, oh, tough. Did not want anything to do with the gospel. And one time after we were working with him for a while, the, he, he, in a moment of weakness, 
he let me know. He said, people prophesied over me I would be in ministry. When I was in church, he was, he was doing stuff. And uh, he was way far away from it. And anyway, long story short, you know, we, we did some things with him. We kept in, kept in touch. I was on the phone with him earlier this year. And you know what he was telling me? He said, Steve, I'm teaching a Bible study at the church I go to. We're teaching it to kids who have never heard Bible stories in their life. And he says, the greatest feeling is that I get to see their faces light up as they hear the Bible story for the first time. These are words out of his mouth. Oh, I was excited to hear that. That's good stuff in there. But I stayed with it where God wanted me to be, where God told me to go and to do what... That was the hard, one of the hardest jobs I ever left. Oh, I had a hard time leaving that job. When I left that job, they offered me everything. They put everything on the table. They said, if you'll, if you'll stay here, if you'll do this job, if you'll take over a store, in three years we'll have you in the office. You get in the office, you have a company car, it's a day job. You work Monday through Friday. Every once in a while you have to do a weekend thing, but that's about it. And the, the salary that they give you is a high salary for Tulsa. It was a very high salary. I would have been taken care of. He said, all, all we need you to do is just stay. Be a manager store for three years. I'll get you into the, into the high end of the company. We want you to stay. I said, I'm not called to be here. He said, okay, then go where you need to go. And that's what we did. Listen to what God says. When God gives you revelation, it's not going to be easy. But it's going to be good. Stay with it. Brother Jolly shared his testimony. What a revelation he had. What he stuck with. That's what you got to do. God is going to give you some things. He's going to speak some things to you about your health. He's going to speak some things to you about your job. He's going to speak some things to you about your kids, about your future, about where you're going. Now, here's the thing you've got to make sure that you don't do. Satan will come in. He will try and steal the word. Don't let him steal the word. He will try and confuse the revelation with reasonings. Don't do that. What God said, he means. Do it as God said. Whatever God said, you do it that way. You just stay with it. You don't keep reasoning out. You don't keep adding things to it. Well, it makes more sense if I know. What did God say to do? He said to do this. So what should you do? I said, just do that. Yeah. Yeah, just do that. Stay with it. Don't, don't be taken off of it. Don't be taken off of it. I told you last week some of the revelation I got and something to do for my feet to help it out. Beginning, I didn't tell you this part of it, but in the beginning part of the year, the spring, I wasn't playing hockey. I had to stop playing hockey. We were too busy. There were too many things going on. I had to stop playing hockey. And so I stopped playing hockey. I w- and my, my foot got, I was standing and standing and standing. And the foot was getting sore and sore and sore. I was standing there in the shop. And, and I said, man, this thing. I had to sometimes just stand on one leg. Hold one leg up and stand on one leg. Because I, I couldn't stand on it anymore. But I had to keep working. I kept working, going. And I, that's, this came up in my spirit. I said, you know what to do about that. I said, I do know what to do about that. But I'm not doing it. <laughs> so I did. So I came on out a few times. And I, I need to go run. I told my wife, I need to go run. So I went out and ran. Came on back out in the shop. And it worked. You know what? The more I ran, the more I kept consistent with it, I was able to do stuff. That I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't standing on one leg anymore. And you remember the story I told you about those one pair of boots? That one pair of boots is the only dress shoe I could wear for years. What I'm standing in for before you right now is another pair of dress shoes different one. I finally got these things to work. As long as I keep running, I can wear just about any shoe I want to wear. I just got to, but I got, what happens? The revelation comes. What are you supposed to do? Do what the revelation says. Do what God says to do. How long do you do it? Until God says to do something else. You don't keep getting instructions. 
if you're in the military and God's, God talks about his army, if, if the military person says, mind this post, watch this post, what are you supposed to do? Do you watch that post for eight hours? I was there for eight hours. Is that what they do? Is that what happens? What happens? No. I don't care if you're there for 20 hours. You stay there until I tell you, until I send somebody to relieve you. <laughs> don't ever stop doing what God says to do because you got something uh, uh, some re- reasoning going on. Well, I don't think I need to do it that way because you got mad at something, because you got hurt at something. Don't do that. Whatever it is that God said to do, do it. Do it until He comes. You don't. You don't quit. You keep doing it. Jesus, I will do this until you come back. Unless you tell me to do something different, I will keep doing it. Do what He says to do. Now, here's the fun thing about Revelation. Sometimes God will speak revelation that has an impact on this area of your life, but you can't see it. You can't reason it out. You can't figure it out. But it's connected. You need to do it. Sometimes our disobedience in the revelation in one area has caused a problem in another. And we don't see it. You know why? Because you're trying to reason it out. What are you supposed to do? Do what he says to do. That's it. Do what he says to do. We would be in a whole lot better shape in this world if everybody had done this. If Adam and Eve had done what God said to do, what would happen? Wouldn't it be better? If Israel would just do what God said to do, wouldn't it be better? We have problems because people are not doing what God said to do. What has God said to do? I don't know. Then you better find out. (laughs) You better find out. Because God's speaking to you. God is telling you to do something. If you've got a situation that's causing you problems, what should you do? If any man lacks wisdom, my wife was uh, talking about this last time. Go back and, uh, and check this out. She was back going back in the James and checking all that out. And she says, you know that what he's talking about beforehand is trouble, tribulation, trials. And if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. How many got trouble, tribulation, trials going on? What should you do? Ask God for wisdom. Then when you get it, what should you do? Do it. You got to seek after it. You got to hear it. What do you do after you hear it? You got to accept it. This is, this is the word of God. What do you do after you accept it? I got to perform. I got to, I got to produce something with it. I got to do it. And after that, what are you supposed to do? Endure. Endure. And you look at those guys that are out there, and uh, this time of year we have a lot of marathon runners. People running 26.2 miles. That's a lot of endurance, isn't it? How do you get there? By running smaller distances. By running them more often. Increasing your mileage per week. You know how you become enduring as, as a Christian? Suffer through the little things. When you suffer through the little things and you learn endurance, when the bigger tests come, you're all right. I'm going to share with you a little secret. This has to do with marathon training, but it'll help you in your life. When you, run, when you train for a marathon, marathon is how far? 26.2 miles. How many times do you think a marathon runner runs 26.2 miles in a week? Not at all. Marathon runner will not run 26.2 miles in a week for training. Marathon runner will not run 26.2 miles the week before for training. The only time that generally a marathon runner will run 26.2 miles is 
in a marathon. Most of the training distance that a marathon will do is between 10 and 15 miles for the long run. There's a lot of shorter runs. The long run, 10 to 15 miles. How does that get you ready for 26.2? The little things you are going through are there. The devil means to bring you down. But God says we can teach you endurance in these little things. So when the big ones come, you can endure. You don't have to go through big, hard trials to learn endurance in big, hard trials. You can learn it in the small stuff. You don't have to go through some life-threatening disease to learn how to endure in faith when a life-threatening disease might come. You can learn it in the little stuff. It's amazing. Do you know you can actually train for a marathon and hardly ever run over 10 miles in a day, in a run? You can do it. You can be a Christian and be ready for any of the big stuff that's going to come your way. Here's an example for you. One more before we go. How many giants have you killed? Up until Goliath, how many giants had David killed? No giants. Do you see that David weakens when he faces the giant? Is his endurance having any trouble? How is that? Because in the other situations that came to him, he learned endurance. When he faced the giant, he had already learned to endure. You are facing things every week. You are facing revelation that God has given you. Some of it's just in his word. Some of it he has spoken to you. Don't let it go. Endure. Keep it up. Stay with it. I know this is the right thing to do, so I will do it. Don't look at everybody else, but they're not doing it. They're doing okay. How come they're not doing it and I have to do it? Don't matter. Do what you know to do. Get trained. Get ready. Because when the storm comes, one man built his house on the, on the sand, one man built it on the rock. Let's be the one who does it on the rock, who stays on the, the rock. Those are the person with endurance. Are you ready to endure? You want to le- utilize the power of revelation? When God speaks it to you, learn that it's God's voice. Do it instantly. And God will help you out of any situation that you're in. Again, the, brother, the story brother Jolly brought up, the, Peter had a problem, didn't he? We need money for the taxes. So what's he do? Comes to Jesus, seeking wisdom. He got it. He did it. He did it. How long he endured out there? I don't know. What is it that you have? Would you all stand up with me? What is it that you are facing? What situation is going on in your life? Health, finances, job, relationship, whatever it might be. What situation is going on in your life and you need revelation? You are going to respond out of one thing or another. Either you're going to respond out of revelation or you're going to respond out of reasoning. If you reason in your head the right thing to do, you are not responding out of revelation. If you don't respond out of revelation, what kind of success are you going to have? Not going to have success. What do you need to respond out of? Revelation. Revelation is received. Reasoning, you figure it out. What situation do you face right now? If you don't have revelation, what are you going to replace it with? Reasoning. And what power is there in reasoning? There's none. You need to have revelation. So how many of you got a situation? Health, finances, job, 
relationship, something going on in your life, you need, you need revelation for it. You don't have it yet. I'm not talking about you already got revelation. You're just not doing it. I'm not talking about that one. <laughs> you got a situation? <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Father God, you see the hands that are raised up. You see the folks that need revelation. They need wisdom. And Father, you will give it to them. You will give them the revelation that they need. They're developing their spirit to hear from you. That when that word comes, they instantly obey it. They do it. No matter what comes at them, what thoughts come to them, they stick with it. They do it with a glad heart. Because to do it without a glad heart, oh, it's not nearly as good. Father, help us to utilize the power of revelation. One revelation from you can change our situation. One revelation came coming to Moses turned a trap into deliverance as the Red Sea closed over their enemies. One revelation. So many times we see it in the Word of God that a problem came in, revelation came, and they did what the revelation was. Father, we're in the same situation. We need to hear the revelation. When you tell us what to do, then we will do it. We will endure. We will not let it go. We will not let it stop. We will endure. And Father, our situation will change because of the power of revelation. So Father, this week I thank you that you are speaking to each person who raised their hand here. Each person who is seeking after you. Each person who is coming to you to say, how do we get this done? And you will give them revelation on what they need to do. For some of us, it'll seem, oh yeah, that would make sense. Arise. All right, I can understand that's what I need to do. Sometimes we may be told things to do that just don't make any sense. Why should I wash in a dirty river? Why should I take my staff and strike a rock? We don't understand it. But Father, we know how to hear from you. We know how to obey. We thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. In the weeks to come, some of you are going to get revelation on some things. You need to act on it. Sometimes during the week, you're going to get revelation that, I, you know what? My faith is built up on this. I have this condition. I have this thing going on. If I have hands laid on me, I know this will be the end result. If I get people to agree with me, I know this will be the end result. Your faith is built up and you say, I know that if I stand and do what God says, if I stand on the name of Jesus, I know I will. You need to build your faith up like that. When you build your faith up on it, you need to go out there and do it. You need to go out there and do it. There is such power in revelation. We need to understand its power. Tap into it for our, for our life. Let's hear about some things that God's been doing here this week before we go. If you have, anybody else has uh, praise reports, feel free to turn them on in. Okay, this one's from Mercy. She says, <clears throat> I've always been... <coughs> excuse me. I've always had a quiet night at work, but last night the charge nurse took a heavy assignment from two girls to me. Um, one of the girls was very happy, accepted it with a good attitude, and says to myself, I am going to have a good night. <clears throat> okay, I can't I can't make out what that says. <laughs> Can you tell me what it says? I can't I can't understand what it... Okay. Okay. Oh, I see. Oh, say. Uh, it says, 30 minutes later, the supervisor called my, my charge nurse 
that they needed me urgently on the fourth floor. So she got, she got to change the, the position she was in. She ended up having the best night, and she says, God is so sweet for that. Amen. It's nice when God takes you out of a situation you don't want to be in. <laughs> oh, Jolly says, praise to God. He's one. Um, he said, I put on the oak leaf insignia on my shoulders this week. Amen. Praise God. It says, number two, my duty tour was changed on my first first day from five. Okay. Now, I don't do military time. <laughs> Y'all are making this time hard for me. <laughs> five to one. Oh, 0500 to 013. Okay, so from five to one. Five to one. <laughs> to 12 to eight. Now, that one I could do. So, which comes with the night differential, which is good. Praise God. More money. We like them. <clears throat> Here's another one. Susan says, my Christmas novella called The Christmas Wish was released on Amazon last Thursday. Amen. That's two books and a novella. Hallelujah. And the Lord has helped me with some challenges at work this week. Will says, um, he thanks God for favor. He says, God makes a way out of out of no way. He says, even when I make mistakes, thank God for a praying wife and our church family. Amen. It's just something I wanted to share when I was reading that earlier, too. Um, husbands and wives, it is so important the prayer of agreement between the two of you. You can have a, a friend that you pray with and a prayer partner, and that's that's great, and we should. But when you're husband and wife and you pray together, there's so much more power in that. So I encourage everybody to do that together. Ray says, I thank God for this past week of peace and renewal. They were on vacation. He says, I praise his, him for watching over us during our unsettling trip home. I have to find out more about that. <laughs> but praise God, they're home safe. <laughs> Ethel said that at some point last week, she injured her knee. She had problems bending it on Wednesday, and she asked for prayer Wednesday night. By Thursday, she could bend it comfortably, and there was no pain or any other issues with her knee. Love, healing power. Sharon said, oh, yay. She got extra money in her paycheck. Told payroll about it, but did not have to give it back. They said it belonged to her. Hallelujah. Also on Thursday and Friday, she had very painful back. But then God, um, but thank God for his healing power, she was able to do all she had to do on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Amen. 